All right, we are in a series called uh, Weird, right? And uh, remember what we've been doing each week is kind of trying to contrast how the world and what normal is in the world and how we are called to be weird. So all the kids in the house say weird. Good, there's kids in the house. That's great. And uh, some of you older kids there, about 60 or so of you, no, 60 year old might have said that if you're young and hard, that's fine. Anyway, glad to have the kids in the room with us today. And um, we're going to talk about uh, this contrast of what it means uh, to be normal and to be weird. And to do that this morning, I'm going to take you to a parable uh, that Jesus told. And uh, quite honestly, this is a parable that most preachers just absolutely stay away from. Uh, because this story, this parable, is kind of, well, frankly, it's kind of weird. Okay? It's kind of weird. But then again, what is the topic we're talking about? We're talking about being weird. Thank you. So if you're going to talk about being weird, it seems like, hey, a weird story is pretty good, right? Uh, so we're going to go into Luke 16. So if you uh, grab the insert that you got when you came in, that's probably going to be helpful to you today because uh, uh, you'll see there I gave you the whole parable, right, along with Jesus's commentary. But there's a whole parable. We'll walk through that. Then we're going to glean some insights out of it. Um, as we do that, it's an important thing for you to understand about parables, right? And parables are the stories Jesus tells. And there's two things about parables that we need to remember. One is, whenever you get to a parable, you need to notice who the parable is addressed to. Who is the audience that's listening? Because that helps you understand the key to the parable. And so this one's no different. We'll see right away that he says he's speaking to his disciples. But later on, when you get to the bottom of the experience, you'll see that who he's really speaking to is not just his disciples, but he's also speaking to these group of Pharisees, right? And we all know Jesus didn't get along so well with those guys, right? So this is a pointed story that he's telling. The other thing about parables is uh, parables, Jesus tells them to get usually just a main point across, okay? And, And too often we take parables and we try to unpack them into all these different things and we just read way too much into them. Usually Jesus just tells a parable because he just wants to get a main concept across. And you'll see in this parable where he will actually say, now look, here's the lesson, right? You'll see that. So we're going to try to keep it simple. So there's some simple things that we can understand from this parable. So it comes out of, uh, out of uh, Luke 16. Guys, I'm not clicking, so can you click me for some reason? My light is on and everything's working here except that. Oop, there we go. Now we're working. Let's have fun. Ready? It's kids' day. We can have fun. Uh, So anyway, here we go. Luke 16. Here's the way it starts. Uh, Jesus told this story to his disciples, which we talked about. There was a certain rich man who had a manager. Circle the word manager, were you? Because we're going to come back to that. That is an important word for us. You saw the title for the day, Weird Managers, right? Uh, That is an important word for us, so don't forget that. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. Now, this was a common practice in Jesus' day. It's not so uncommon in this day either, right? That if you happen to be a prosperous and wealthy person, that you have somebody who manages 
your affairs for you, right? And so in Jesus' day, here is a wealthy owner, and he has this manager whose responsibility it is to manage his affairs for the benefit of the owner. Important distinction, we'll see. So this is what's happening. He says, one day a report came uh, to the owner that the manager was wasting his employer's money. Now, what's interesting there is the Greek word that's used here for wasting is the same Greek word that is used in chapter 15 of Luke around another parable. It's the parable of the prodigal son. You know the parable of the prodigal son, right? Son takes his inheritance early and goes off, and the Greek word says he wasted it in wild living. It's the same word, right? So we can see how this manager is wasting his owner's resources on his own self-interest, right? That's the idea. He's wasting it on his own self-interest. So the employer called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you're going to be fired. So it's kind of like, okay, got caught, and the owner says, you're done. Get your books in front of me. Uh, You know, wrap up the office because you are uh, out of here. Apparently, this was before the practice of having somebody from security accompany to them to their desk and pack up all their stuff and walk them to the door. Okay, didn't work that way then. It's like, look, just get your books. I want to see the books because you're done. Right? Turn them in. So it says the manager thought to himself, "Now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg." Um, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who give me a home when I'm fired. So he's doing a little personal assessment here and saying, well, wait a minute, I'm not a very strong guy, and my career path doesn't look so good right now, uh, and I'm too proud to beg, right? So what am I going to do? Here's his answer. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. Are these guys going to be happy guys? Happy guys, this is a pretty good deal for the guys that owe here, right? You bet. Happy guys. Who's getting ripped off in this whole experience? The owner, right? The owner is getting ripped off in the whole experience. But the manager is creating the opportunity for people to owe him, right? These two guys, he's now canceled some of their debt. How are they going to feel about him? That would be the, hey, I owe you one. Right? In this case, hey, I owe you two. Get what's happening? The rich man, uh, now we get the interpretation of, of what's going on and we get to the point. Okay? It says, the rich man, the owner, had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. So now it's important to note, the owner is not admiring his dishonesty, right? He is admiring his shrewdness. This is an important distinction. 
See, so often when we get into parables, we're looking for a parable and we're saying, okay, so which character is God here? And this story must be all about God. It must be all about the Father. So like in Luke 15, parable of the prodigal son, we hear a lot about the son's behavior, but we also hear about the father's behavior. And it's clear in that parable, right, that the son is us and the father is God, right? And so we learn something about the forgiving nature of God from that parable, right? Here, this parable is a whole different thing. This parable is all about the manager. It's not really displaying anything to us about the nature of God, right? So this is not saying, well, I guess God likes it when we're dishonest. <laughs> no, that's not it. It's just not in the parable, right? We know that there's a par- parallel that God is an owner, but that's as simple uh, as it gets, right? That's as simple as we need to leave it. So he's not admiring the guy's uh, dishonesty. He is, however, admiring his shrewdness. And then he makes a statement. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than, the, than are the children of light. Then he says, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends Then, when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. So there's a couple things. One is, he's talking about a contrast between the children of this world who are shrewd. That would be normal. What's normal in our world? To be shrewd, to my advantage. Amen? Most people, that's where they're geared, right? Listen, I'm going to get everything I can get out of this deal, right? Because it's to my advantage. So they're going to be shrewd to their own personal advantage. He's acknowledging, listen, that's the way it is, right? Then he makes, here's the lesson, and you can circle that so you don't miss that, right? We'll get back to it in a minute. He says some other principles and interpretive things. You know, if you're faithful in little, you're going to be faithful in large ones. If you're dishonest in little, well, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. If you're not trustworthy with worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with true riches from heaven? If you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Parents, you know this principle, right? So, like, before you leave the house uh, to the kids for a weekend, what do the kids have to do? They have to display that you can trust them for the weekend, right? Otherwise, you're coming back and the house is trash, right? So you're not going to do that until they prove to you that you can trust them. So that's the principle he's talking about here. Then he makes a statement, No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate the one, love the other. You'll be devoted one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And then here's where the Pharisees come in. Okay, so that's the whole story. There's some commentary at the end. Now let's pull some stuff out. You ready? Okay, I could quit. I can go home early. It's the weekend, man. I got dogs waiting for me to barbecue. But anyway, no, we'll pull some things out. Ready? So what happens? The owner, the owner admires the dishonest manager, not for his dishonesty, but for his shrewdness, right? And there's a lesson here in the parable. There's a lesson in the parable. Jesus is teaching us a lesson about normal and weird, right? And he's saying, listen, the world over here, normal, is being shrewd. Now, what's unusual about this parable is that up until now, as we've looked at weird, we've always said, look, 
this is what normal is in the world, but we're supposed to be something else, right? And that's weird. What this parable does is really throw a curve to that and say, no, wait a minute, the world is shrewd, and you're supposed to be just as shrewd. Wow. Really? Yes, because the owner is admiring the dishonest manager not for his dishonesty, but again for his shrewdness. And he says, it's true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. And that's not a good thing. The challenge he's putting in front of us is to understand the way the world is, what's normal, and to be able to be as wise and shrewd as the world is, and yet do it in a weird, honest way. That's the distinction, right? You can see it in Matthew 10. It's not, this isn't Luke, and isn't the first time Jesus has made this point. If you look at Matthew 10, he's getting ready to send out his disciples, and Jesus says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, right? The world normal? Wolves. Sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as, what's the word? There it is. There it is. Now, he's giving a declarative there, right? He's saying, look, this is what you need to be. You need to be as shrewd. He's saying, look, that's the way the world is. And guys, if you're going to follow me, you've got to wise up to the world. And you need to be equally as shrewd. But then he gives a qualifier. You need to be as shrewd as snakes, as normal, but you also need to be weird. You need to be as innocent as doves. We need to wise up. We need to be shrewd. We need to be wise in our dealings. We need to know the way the world works and be shrewd about that, but to do it in a weird such way that we are absolutely transparent and honest and ethical in what we do. You see that? That is a challenge, isn't it? It is a challenge for us. It calls us to live that life that takes the world serious, that normal that we've been talking about, and deals with it in an absolute honest but shrewd, wise, prudent way. How do we do that? Well, let's pull some clear things about that. So what we're saying is that Really, the call of the parable on us is to be shrewd and weird. Or weirdly shrewd or shrewdly weird or however you want to organize those words. But it's still weird and shrewd, right? Shrewdly weird, okay? So how do we do that? How do we be shrewdly weird? Well, the first observation from the, from the parable is to understand a simple weird principle. This is contrary to the world's principle. A simple world principle that says, I am a manager and God is the owner. I mean, that's clear in the parable, right? The manager was the manager. And the manager's responsibility was to do what? To manage everything that was owned by the owner, right? The manager didn't own. The owner is the owner. And the manager is the manager, And so Jesus told a parable. There was a certain rich man who had a manager. Remember I said circle that word? This is why. You see, this is an important distinction for us to understand. We are only managers. We're only managers. 
And God is the owner of absolutely everything. Now, that's kind of weird. That's kind of weird. In fact, we even have in the church some a misconception about this that says, well, as long as I give God his 10%, everything else is mine. That's not true. That's not true. He is the owner of everything. Everything we have comes to us through him and from him. And our responsibility is to be the manager. Let me help you to graphically grab that, right? You know what this thing is, besides being a George Costanza wallet, right? You know that still, right? It walks with a limp. But anyway, George Costanza wallet, right? Here's the truth. The truth is, he owns all of this. He owns all of this. So he owns everything that those credit cards in there have allowed me to acquire in my life. He owns it. I don't own it. He owns not just the picture of my family that's in my wallet, but he owns my family. That is an incredible gift that he poured into my life. It's not mine. It's what he generously gave me. Right? You can go through your wallet and think about all of the things that it represents, and none of it belongs to us. All of it is generously lent into our lives. I just did a, a wedding uh, Friday night, and you know, you, you have the couple standing there, and you have them face each other, and you say thing, you know, something like, you know, now look into each other's eyes, and right before your eyes now stands one of the greatest gifts that God has poured into your life. And everybody hears that and goes, oh, that's so sweet, that's so cute. That is sweet, right? Okay, all right, I just made sure I'll stop doing it if it's not sweet. But anyway, uh, but you do that, right? It's a, oh, that's so sweet. But you know what? It's true. It's true. You see, we get this false concept that somehow we own these things. We don't own these things. These relationships even. Everything that comprises our life is something that God generously lends into our life. And our responsibility is like the guy here to be a shrewd and honest manager. A shrewd and honest manager. There's other texts I've given you to reinforce this. Deuteronomy 8, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you your power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant that he confirmed to his ancestors. Or think about Psalm 50 where he says, listen, uh, I own a cattle on a thousand hills, the birds, mountains, everything. And of course he ends with that statement that we hear our kids saying all the time, it is mine. <laughs> it's mine. And in this case, it's true. It's all his. Kids, you can get this principle, right? Who owns your house? You would probably say, Mom and Dad, because Mom and Dad have provided me with my house, Mom and Dad provide me with rides to school, and Mom and Dad provide me with transportation, and Mom and Dad provide me with food, and Mom and Dad provide me with all this stuff, right? It's that principle of a father, a parent, providing for the one he loves. That's it. He owns it all. He lends it into our life, okay? All right. I think we got there. Two. Shrewd weird two. Shrewd weird two is, okay, so he provides us all this stuff, but for what purpose? Well, obviously for us to enjoy, for us to take care of ourselves, all that is good, but he provides those resources to be invested in his purposes. Think about the manager and the owner. The manager was responsible to manage all of the owner's affairs for whose good? 
for the good of the owner, right? The manager in the parable was called on the carpet and called to account because he wasn't doing that. He was managing all the resources that the owner had, but he was managing them for his own selfish purposes, right? And the owner calls him on the carpet and says, what? Turn in your books. You're fired. Why? Because he was not managing for the good of the owner. You see, the responsibility is that as the owner gives us all of this generously, it is our responsibility to manage it not for our purposes, but for his. And here's what's weird. His purposes are people. His purposes are people. Now, the world over here, normal would say what? Normal would say it's about acquiring as much as you can acquire so you can enjoy life to the fullest, and it's all about you getting all these possessions and wealth and all the stuff of this world to take care of and to enjoy for your own personal advantage. Isn't that true? Normal statement of the way the world looks at things? The contrast, the weird, is no. That's not it at all. That God pours generously into our life so that the resources we have can be used for His purposes and His purposes are always directed at people. Why did Jesus come into the world? Why did He give up His life? For you. For you. Not for your possessions, not for all the other stuff. He gave up His life for you, for your person. For relationship. That's God's purposes. So you think about it, everything that we have, He lends into our life generously, and we're supposed to manage it for His purposes, and His purposes are always people driven. It's in the text. It says, Here's the lesson. So here's the takeaway Use your worldly resources to benefit who? Others. Normal would be benefit me. Weird says, No, benefit others. Get it? And make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you into eternal home. Let me give you an example. i got to tell you, I'm going to be absolutely thrilled the day that I walk into the kingdom and I get to meet some women and children that I don't know and, and, and have uh, never met that I know of who came to know Jesus Christ because we managed God's resources here and were generous and extended the gospel into Ethiopia in our Women and Children's Center. Right? You heard that when, when uh, the director over there was here, and he said that some moms got baptized, some kids got baptized, and received Christ. What does that mean? Well, it means because we manage the generosity that God pours into Christ's church, there are some women and children who are going to know eternity with Christ because we decided it was more important to manage that stuff for people. See how it works? That's how it works. That's it. We manage the resources for people. If you look at 2 Corinthians, Paul says, yes, you are enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. It's an important distinction to get. The owner gives to the manager all of his resources to manage for the owner's purposes which means the owner always makes sure the manager has everything he needs to accomplish 
that task. True? You'd be a bad owner if you didn't do that. What does it mean? In your life, the owner, God is generous into your life, and he assumes you will manage those resources for his benefit, which means you already have enough. The owner assumes that you will do the right thing with his resources. Right? Why did the manager get in trouble? He got in trouble because he didn't. Right? What was the owner assuming? The owner was assuming that he gave everything to the manager and the manager would use it in the right way for the owner's purposes. Principle. God pours into our life and he gives us more than enough to be generous. It's inherent to his generosity. So you can't, you can't get to a place, and a lot of people get there, where somehow you say, you know, I just don't know how I'm going to be able to give to, you know, God's purposes or tithe or whatever it is because, man, it's just so tight. No, then you've got to reevaluate your management because inherent to what he gives is enough to be generous, right? You see it in the statement. Word three. Shrewd word three is godly wealth is about trust. It's about trust. It's not about a dollar amount. It's always about trust. And there's this principle in Scripture about this trust. And the, and the more that we display our faithfulness, the more trust he gives us. He says, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? So parents, I brought up that example earlier, right? So if you go away from the weekend and the kids have a big party and trash the house, are you going to be anxious to go away for a weekend again and entrust them again? Yeah, not so much, right? Well, I mean, think about this. I mean, it's in the parable. Think about it. You know, as we display our trust then God is going to be able to be more generous into our life. Now, that doesn't mean it's a formula for getting wealthy. Because notice in the text, it says, if you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with what? True riches of heaven. They're not the same. They're not the same. One isn't the other. No, true riches of heaven is about the things that God wants to pour into your life to make your life extraordinary for his purposes. Doesn't mean money. Okay? So we get the trust question. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. That is a tremendous trust question, isn't it? That's a tremendous trust question. It goes both ways. One, do you trust the owner to give you everything you need that you'll, you'll be able to manage? Do you trust that the owner will give you everything you that you need. And the second side of that is, can the owner trust you to manage everything he pours according to his purposes? Huge trust question. I'm late. Shrewd, weird shrewd four. Money is, destru- is a destructive master. God is a generous master, right? And then he gets to the point, nobody can serve two masters. You hate the one, love the other, devoted the one, despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. You've heard this before, right? But that's what he wants us to hear, right? And it's pointed at the Pharisees. He wants us to hear 
He wants us to understand that when we're normal, that's destruction. When we're weird, that leads to life, right? Second Timothy 6, you should read that through, and it highlights that ruin and destruction. And then last one, weird five, shrewd weird five. Wealth in this world fades. God's weird truth is eternal. You know the old joke, right? What's never behind a hearse? You never heard that? Sure you have. What's never behind a hearse? A U-Haul trailer, right? You never heard that before? Oh, come on, people. That's as old as the hills. That's older than I am. Come on. What's never behind a hearse? A U-Haul trailer. You can't take it with you. Come on. Seriously? Oh, my gosh. Well, I got to go back and get reroute. I got to get some of my old material out. I'm telling you. Thank you. I just got six months of no work. It's all right there, man. <laughs> I love it. Thanks. Wow. Yeah, no, what's never behind a hearse? A U-Haul trailer. Absolutely. You can't take it with you, right? Yeah, but that's, we know that's true. We know that's true, right? So why wouldn't we manage everything he gives us for eternal purposes? Because that's what's going to last. That's what endures. Why wouldn't we manage everything he gives us? You know why? Because it's weird. It's weird. But that's the call. That's what he puts on us. That's the privilege we have. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you that uh, you are such a generous God and that you offer us more than we can think or imagine. True riches, true riches, not the stuff of the world, but true riches. And we just pray that you would uh, just shape us and fashion us into shrewd, honest managers, that we can do everything for your eternal purposes, and that we can make such a difference in this world that when our days are done, we will enter the kingdom of heaven knowing that because of that shrewdness and honesty, there are others who will be there welcoming us. So help us now to just think about this, to take this all in and put it into place in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand and let's